This episode of Butcher's Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right, you out there can support this podcast for the price of a cup of coffee or a beer. Support Greg and I doing this show. Get B access to BSBOTs. Go to patreon.com slash Breakaway today. In the dog days of summer to support us continuing this show forever, forever and ever and ever. Today we have Ishan Theroux of the Washington Post. We talk about uh, a lot of things that's going on with Russia, Russia players, the Rangers postseason, etc. Greg and I review Capocaco taking slap shots and some other stuff. Super fun for the dog days of summer. Also, Kadri, the NHL media, you know, the, the classic Blue Shirts breakaway hits. All right, without further ado, here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Fans, welcome to the Buffet. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan, on a balmy August 22nd night. Sports are back. Capococco is back. It's best shape of his life season. Gregory, say hello. It's funny that it's the third time we've recorded the Open. It's the one you fucked up the most. It is. It is kind of funny. We're having, um, I would say this has been, what would you call it, quote-unquote, a week for us? A couple weeks, right? For both of us. A lot going on. You've got a... Uh, some job things happening. I have some personal family life things. So, you know, we're just chugging through step by step. Somehow we record this podcast every week. And usually we don't re-record the opens. We just don't do that. But right. I'm I'm having technical issues. You're good enough to go ahead and do that job for me. And I really appreciate that about you. Yeah, I'm asking for a raise. Uh, that that for sure you are? is happening. <laughs> you want more than the 50%? <laughs> yeah, I think it's time we have that discussion. We should might as well you have think it it's- open. Hey, Ryan, you've only edited uh, 379 of these. I, now that I've edited two, I think <laughs> I'll go, I want 52. Yeah, I yeah, I, th- I, think, I think that's, that's fair. I think that's fair. We established my workload for 50%. I'm now going above the 50%, so I think it's time I get paid more than 50%. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it is August 22nd. Uh, are you, Gregory, and I will ask you seriously on this mm. night uh, when I don't have air conditioning and I'm sweating my ass off, are you in the best shape of your life? Oh, God, no. You kidding me? I haven't been able to feel my legs since Memorial Day, and you're wondering if I'm in the best shape of my life? Dude, I I ran a mile, and I think I have a calf strain. I'm pretty sure it's done. (laughs) The running's over. It's all all downhill from here. But, yeah, no, seriously, I I have a condition that literally there's no cure. It's just time. So to say that I'm in the best shape of my life when in order to be in the best shape of my life, I need to be physically moving, and I can't quite do that some days, yeah, safe to say I'm not. I'd say. Time time heals all wounds, as they would say, I think. This one literally. I don't know. Eventually you die and you don't feel anything. Right. Okay. That, uh, at least Let's talk have, about Capo. At least that we Capo. Right. Of course. Yeah. Or, or you get reincarnated as a dolphin. You can like, never mind. I'm not going to get into this. Okay. Um, Capo Caco. Mm. hockey player. Best shape of his life season. The videos are finally starting. That video you say is Capococco skating across the ice and shooting a 107-mile-per-hour slap shot. It's literally the best thing that's happened to me in the last four days. A million people have tagged me on it. I haven't gotten back to it. I haven't reposted it or whatever. I've just been swamped with a lot of personal stuff. I haven't gotten to that. But those, I don't know, I think it was like 11 seconds of just watching Capococco skate across the ice and shoot the puck as hard as possible, which would have been the second-highest shot mile-per-hour in the history of the All-Star game. Uh, I listen. I got a little excited. I got. I went. I said, you know what? I need Ranger hockey. Nothing else is going going well for me right now. Ranger hockey is the one thing I can get. 
It's the one thing that can save my existence over these next couple weeks. And I know we're still, what is it, 50 days away from opening night? So we've got a lot of time and a lot of podcasts to go. But it was the first time I felt that, ooh, we're kind of getting close. Capococco, I think, I know we've had the first redemption tour. Didn't go so well. I totally understand that. I know we've only had 40, you know, 43 points, period. Like, that's the whole thing. It hasn't been great. This is the year. Like if it's not if not now when Gregory that's my only question if not now when I mean it's still nuts that he, what what is he twenty one like he's not even twenty he's twenty one years old yeah, yeah. so <laughs> if not now when I don't know yeah. plenty of time I guess Probably I will next year. Yeah. I will say that this this week more than any other week I it just fucking nothing I I, I understand there have been a lot of nothing weeks uh like thank God Trubo was named captain and gave us something to talk about for a two week span but this I think is the truest doggiest dog day of summer week that you have as a hockey fan where you know it gets bad when people start relitigating Henrik Lundqvist versus Carey Price like it's not a debate we don't need to have it it's a there's a very clear right answer and wrong answer and yet we get to this third week of August every summer and someone's like hey by the way which one's better and it's just it's insane we do this every every summer it's a tradition it, it's like some I do people... enjoy the people. Yeah, Sorry, I wasn't saying anything. I was rambling about. I nuts. do enjoy the people that cut off like the first two years of Henrik Lundqvist's stats, and then put Perry Carey Price like two years after Henrik Lundqvist retired and hey, used those stats, and they're like, "Look, Carey Price is better. That's awesome, isn't it?" I, but he, like, I how many times on this podcast have we done the the biggest proof of hockey players being stupid is saying that Carey Price is the guy they want if their life was on the line and they had to win a game. It's just yeah, Henrik Lundqvist is right there. He's well, right there. It, it, the overinflation of Carey Price has happened at every level, and then it gets to a point where people start thinking Carey Price is actually better than he is because they cite the overinflation of Carey Price, saying, "Well, they wouldn't have this opinion if it wasn't true." And if there's anything you've learned about, I don't know, humanity in the last five years, it's just that if someone thinks something, that doesn't mean it is something. I feel like that is the bare bones minimum of what you should be able to take away from the last five years. This is really fitting, by the way, that we're going to have Ishan Tharur on, who's a Washington Post reporter. So just look at that. That's called natural, uh, I don't know. That's why the, yeah, that's why they pay me. It's definitely not foreshadowing. Uh, tease, Ryan. It's a okay. tease in the industry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's both? <laughs> that's why they pay you the 51%, Gregory. That's what they do. <laughs> oh, now we're negotiating. I'm up to 60%, by the way. Uh, you wanted 60. <laughs> okay. I'm going to settle for 52? I'm already getting more than I should. I should probably get more than that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's a very quiet week. Capo Caco is skating. Cool, great. You uh, haven't you haven't talked about the World Juniors yet, and and Offman being a gold medalist, and not only that, our our backup backup goalie of the future winning a gold medal, and maybe the best play in World Juniors history of blocking blocking a puck. On, I mean, the game was cool. The ending was fucking awesome, but. I mean, it's World Juniors. I know how, I, how we many, know how you feel about it. Oh yeah, how, how many minutes did you spend watching World Juniors this summer? I watched appropriately, like I'm not counting. Three I'm not counting highlights. Yeah, no, total. no, 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 not even counting Twitter highlights. When did you turn on the TV was, and watch World Juniors? I was in Canada, so I like was flipping through the television, and I watched. I would say it's six minutes of World Juniors. I also watched seven minutes of three v three ice hockey, which we had the founder on this podcast. A couple years ago. Yeah, I should be and watching more. I think more. they just finished their season. I should be watching like more of that. I didn't catch any of that. I've, I have i don't know if you know this, Ryan. The New York Mets, pretty good at baseball. 
So I've been spending most that. most of my free time with them in some way, shape. Have or you form. changed your opinion on Brett Beatty? No, he's hitting one thirty. He still stinks. What are you talking about? Got it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just asking. Just asking a question. Yeah, I mean, if you want to trade me first overall pick that you fraudulently got in our fantasy league for, not getting into fantasy baseball, we are not doing that. You have plenty <laughs> to shit on me later in the show when we can talk about the. Well, you want to talk about yeah. Liverpool? Oh, no, we'll talk about it with Eshan because okay. we'll save it for Eshan because right. he's he's a big Arsenal guy. All we'll right. we'll no, save it for that. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'm better than you. It's great. Everybody gets it. Uh, yeah, I don't Ooh. know, I don't, buddy. I just don't. I, I just don't care about World Juniors. I, I don't have it within me. I care about as much about World Juniors as I do the Futures Game for Major League Baseball. Or like, it just doesn't mean anything. It, it's an All Star Game for kids. There's there's nothing. Cool. Yeah, but I there's nothing cool. like long term you can take away from it there, there's no life lesson here you shouldn't be changing your opinion on any one player based on how he plays in a glorified seven game all-star game it, it's like thinking a soccer team is going to be good or bad because they do well in friendlies it, it just it means next to nothing it's nice to see these kids it's very important to them i'm not saying it should go away I just, the sweeping statements that always come out of World Juniors just drive me up a fucking wall. They really do. I, I, I can't stand it. So I don't, I just don't waste my time with it. I got other shit going on that I can do. I'd honestly rather do nothing than watch World Juniors. Totally fair. My one big takeaway is actually this. The quote from Othman where he was like, hey, listen, if you don't want to play with the big boys, I was like, okay, I'm in. Like, I actually do like this kid. He, he does seem like an absolute pest. And I am very excited for him to eventually be a Ranger. And it will not be this year. It's it's fun to get excited about Othman. It's just he has to beat out Kraftsoff. That's the only way. Just yeah, there's no other way. He's not gonna play in the bottom uh bottom pair, like the fourth line. Not gonna happen. That cannot that cannot go down. But if if he could somehow beat off beat oh my god, if he could somehow beat off Kraftsoff, if he could somehow beat Kraftsoff. Oh my god, he's crazy. having a hell of a summer. It, he really is. I mean, gold medal first off, and then mm. uh yeah. Finally, if you could do that, uh, he can make the team. But even then, they're, they're going to want to have the contract slide. It's just such a weird situation. We've been over it a couple of times. Yeah, can, there the, is something we can talk about, Greg, oh, if, you, if you'd like. I mean, define, define we didn't, like. Mm, Lou Lamorello has finally awakened. Has so he, that's though? nice. Has and he, he did miss out on Kadri. <laughs> oh, did not, not, oh, my God. Have we not podcast since then? We have not. We, a lot, a lot went down. Holy Christ. Yeah, incredible. Just incredible. But it's funny to dunk on Lou and we correctly will because, Oh my God. At the same time, I think the bigger loser or losers coming out of this entire cadre situation is, is fucking hockey media. It just has to be right. It's a joke. I don't know. We slander it all the time. I'm sure that's part of the reason why none of these guys want to come on the show because we talk shit about them. And then we ask if they want to come on. You think on Greg Wachinski, the reason he doesn't want to come on this show? Well, is no, Greg Wachinski, the reason who doesn't want to, we don't invite that motherfucker on this show. But like the Elliot Friedman's of the world that we've definitely reached out to and we don't hear back from. It's like, oh, I wonder why not. And it's because of rants like these that I'm about to have where it's just a joke. We were told all offseason that it's only a matter of time until Nazem Kadri signs with the Islanders. It's all quiet on Nazem Kadri because Lou probably has a contract locked away in his safe. Nazem Kadri will be an Islander. That's why there are no rumors, blah, blah, blah. And then Nazem Kadri's like, yeah, no, I talked with the Calgary Flames for a week because nobody else was talking to me and we got a deal done. And it's just like, do your job, I guess, is all I'm asking you to do. Talk about bare minimum, Ryan. 
again, this is this situation doesn't happen in other sports. It's a rant. It's a conversation we've had multiple times in this pod. We don't really need to have it again. But a free like Don. There have been seven thousand Donovan Mitchell rumors since his trade request. We're now getting firm trade package offers that the New York Knicks are putting out there for Donovan Mitchell. And we know it's probably only 60% of what the Jazz want. We are well informed in the conversation, right? In baseball, you know everything that's leading up to the deadline and everything happening at the deadline. NFL training camp, you understand fucking who's going to be the third string tight end for some teams. Then you know what Nazem Kadri, a top three hands down free agent in the National Hockey League, is going to do. And again, it's bad publicity and marketing from the team perspective. You're trying to sell season tickets right now when nothing is happening in the hockey world. Why wouldn't you want there to be rumors out there that you're highly interested in a player? Do you not think you would sell more tickets, therefore make more money if you are connected to Nazem Kadri and rumors? Do you not understand that rumors are good business? For the rest of your organization? Who cares if Lou Lamorello wants people knowing his business? The people who should who care are the fans of the team who are your lifeblood and the whole reason why the salary cap hasn't gone up in four years. Why are you... What a, what a, what, what in fuck are we doing? It can't be this hard. I'm 33 years old, unemployed, and with a podcast, and I understand this. <laughs> That's one of the most powerful sentences you've ever said on this podcast history. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's also but fucking speaking- sad, but whatever. It, it, yeah, here we are. Uh, speaking of great quotes, I mean, I can't love this quote anymore. This is from Lou. Sometimes some of the best transactions you make are the ones you don't make. Oh, God, fuck it. Thanks, buddy. The, the best, <laughs> that, that, is, that is literally the Fred Wilpon era Mets wrapped up where our best trade deadline acquisition is a player coming back from injury. That's all that is. It's like yeah. the best move we Listen, made. Listen, we got a whole team. They're just injured. Oh, my Christ. Yeah. No, here's the thing. We don't- here's the thing. The Islanders clearly understand they needed to upgrade their their player personnel in order to be more competitive in this hyper-competitive metropolitan division, which is buried in a hyper-competitive East. It's another thing we've talked about this summer because, again, we've run out of things to talk about. So you understand that the team needs to get better. Now, whether you'd go seven years on Kadri, I think all of us would sit here and say, shit, we say it about Trocek, right? Seven years is too much. But you don't worry about if you're a team willing to give Nazem Kadri a seven-year deal, your window's clearly right now which means that you're not really worried about years four, five, six, and seven. You need years one, two, and three. He's that guy you needed to do. I understand there are concerns about him leaving Colorado where he won't be playing with the Rantanins and the McKinnons of the world. All valid reasons. But don't be connected to a player and then be like, you know what, we were actually weren't that interested. You're not fi- you're like, you're not, I, you don't quit, I, you're fired. That's essentially what he's saying. It's just such a weak look. It is a week, especially because as people you reported before, I think Weeksy, who we've invited on this podcast as well, mentioned, uh, and Weeksy's probably the best of the insiders now, just to give him some credit. He's, he's got a lot of things right. Only like one or two things wrong this summer. He mentioned there there's four incoming transactions for the Islanders in the next couple of weeks. Well, three of those transactions went through today, and the fourth one was probably Kadri, and they just lost him. To the Flames. But it so doesn't... Congratulations. Again, the, the, the post-narrative, now that everybody is revealing what actually happened, it doesn't sound like the Islanders ever lost him because they never had him, right? If you're giving the Calgary so Flames a week to clear out Sean Mon- Monaghan in order to sign Nazem Kadri, 
That doesn't mean a deal was done and all of a sudden Kadri got cold feet. That means you told Kadri you were interested and then never called back. That's what that is. Imagine Lou just like, hey, you know what? I'll wait till the season to call the guy. Like, well, I, Unless they have plans to get JT Miller, which we know was in the works at the draft. And then I think JT Miller's agent leak, leaked it and Lou squashed it for some reason. Which is the, uh, that's the only play that they could really do. And then they don't really have the money to sign JT Miller to a lot. I think could find it. They love to, they could trade away some picks and get rid of some fourth liners and get that. But JT Miller is probably their answer as, as for the Islanders. I mean, he'd be a problem obviously for the Rangers and, and the whole Metro in general. But I mean, who would you rather have right now? Kadri or, or JT Miller? I think it's pretty close. I mean, I Miller's think, a little I, honest, I think it. Right, I I don't think it's all that close. I think the correct answer is Miller. Uh, the difference being Miller is going to cost you more than seven years and seven million. Um, but I I I think Miller would be the safer investment if you want to think about it. It's also, you know, it, it's difficult because I don't think the Islanders are JT Miller away from being a true. Stanley Cup contender. At the same time, if you think JT Miller's a guy that d- drastically improves your roster, who gives a shit if you're going to be able to keep him long term? Just make the move now and worry about it eight months from now. I think organizations and fans, we've we've just become too long term thinking. Where sometimes the whole purpose is to treat every year like a one year franchise. You got this one year to do it. Tomorrow isn't promised. You have no idea what's going to happen. Now, I'm not saying completely go willy-nilly and throw everything to the wind and get rid of every future asset you're ever going to have and go all in. But you don't have to go long-term on everybody, right? What's, what's, they, if they trade a couple first-rounders and two of their good prospects for JT Miller, you're going to fuck everything up? Probably not, right? You're still going to have to sign Matt Barzal. You still have a bunch of other of key core players locked up you now have Noah Dobson locked up for three years like yeah that contract's a steal dude that's a big one he eh, really I mean I it's it's only again it's not a steal because they're gonna have to pay him again and it's like every bridge is gonna cost you more to pay him the second time but because they've signed the Brock Nelsons the Josh Bailey's the JG they're taking a discount now to pay him way more later yeah and guess what it's something the Rangers might have to do with Keandre Miller so before before anyone, right now with Capocaco. Yeah, well, so. uh, the Rangers the difference is the Islanders are sold on Dobson, the Rangers aren't sold on Kako. Big difference. That's fair. Um, that's fair. Still though, with Lafreniere. Still though, oh, if, if you're the Islanders and you want to be competitive now, like just go get the guy. If you can keep him great and if you can't again, every NHL team if they would just think for a second, if this season goes belly up on the Islanders again, you know what you'll get for JT Miller at the trade deadline? Everything you're going to trade for him right now. So, you're not losing all those assets to lose a guy in a year you're moving assets now with the understanding that in five months after this deal is made you can easily bring all those assets back so why not just make the fucking deal why do you have to worry about what the 2025 new york islanders are going to look like because you don't want to go necessarily more in on 2022 it's just silly like who the fuck knows what 2025 is going to look like your prospects by the way for the most part 80% 80% of them ain't going to be what you think they're going to be. So move them for a guy that you think is going to help you right now. And then if you can't keep the guy, well, that's a problem for next month. Like, just fucking do something. Give the fans something to be excited about. What does an Islander fan right now have to be excited about? 
Nothing, dude. And Ranger fans have everything to be excited about. Like, literally, like, Igor's a dad. The, He's got dude, dad strength the, now. There's, Congratulations there's, to there's him. More, there's more to be excited about in New Jersey than there is in Long Island. Like, you're losing to the Devils. What are you doing? Do something. Also, the Devils, credit to them in some ways because they have great social media. And they, like, love to get out there and at least advertise their team. They want people to come. You can't blame the Rangers. You can't blame the Islanders for that. Again, everything flows through Lou. The team doesn't know what they're doing because Lou won't say anything. So sad. What is the social media team supposed to do? Yeah, it's sad, man. Because uh, when you're the Rangers, I, under, I, I understand why Dolan does what he does, where he keeps people out. There's only a certain amount of piece, uh, of media that are allowed to cover the team. You know, they've all credit to them. They've gone. They've done a lot more in social over the past couple of years. But the New York Rangers, they played MSG. They're a big team. They have a lot of prestige. Huge fan base. They don't have people. They don't have problems getting people in the door. MSG is full. Period. End of story. You you get real diehard fans. You get business suites. You get people coming in from out of town who want to see a hockey game. That all happens. But with the Devils and the Islanders, like that's a little different. And if you have UBS, which you just spent a shit ton of taxpayer money on, by the way, it should be your job to to fill up that stadium. And the, the Islanders just don't do that. The tickets are cheap, man. It's kind of like going to Brooklyn Nets game. Like $4. It's like, what's going on? Yeah, but unlike, it's very, unlike, very strange. Unlike the Nets, there's actually a fan base that follows the team and would love to be more excited about the team, and you're just giving them shit. Like it, That's true. Credit, credit to the Islander fans. They do come out. Like when, when Nassau Coliseum was bumping, dude, it was real. It's a real place to play. Super fun. Yeah, I, I know Islander fans in my life. I've never met a Brooklyn Nets fan. Not one. Well, wait, that's not true. I live with one. Yeah, he doesn't count. I don't count him. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't count. He really doesn't count. No. Uh, sorry, Aaron. But it, it's, I don't know. It just, it shouldn't be this hard to understand that you're running a sports team where the whole point of running a sports team is to generate news about your sports team. And sometimes generating news about your sports team involves creating rumors about your sports team and about being interested in players to make said sports team better. It's not like... Lou treats it like it's the State Department and he has the fucking nuclear codes. We're talking about the National Hockey League. It literally doesn't need to exist. In the grand scheme of things, it's not important. And if you're going to treat it like it needs to be guarded like state secrets, people are going to lose interest. And that's how you get to this week in August when we're talking about Kapokako taking slap shots. Because the league very clearly, <laughs> I... the league very clearly is not interested in continuing the market itself through this time of the summer, which is just silly. I do love, uh, like, I, I feel for some of the people that have to go on NHL Network through these couple weeks. We do sh two shows a week, you know? I can't even imagine, like, all right, let's go through the Leafs lineup one more time. <laughs> like, oh, God. I saw, like, the N NHL Network, it's uh, release our top 10 everything list week now, and their winger yes, list was I love hilarious. top 10 week. Their winger list was hilarious. It it's so bad, it, I don't want to go over it. I don't. This wasn't me I'm trying not, to I'm not like, going to go over it, but I always get super annoyed with even some Ranger fans when I mention, like, hey, Artemi Panarin's likely a top 15 player in the NHL, and they're like, dude, not even top 30. I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> what? what is what is happening? Do people forget? I don't understand. He, and listen, he, he, had a, he had a shaky playoffs where he was probably playing injured, and people have changed their opinion about him. That's essentially what it comes down to. Fucking crazy. Uh, I, the one thing I am excited for, because I always get a kick out of this article every year, he's been on the show, and I'm not like the biggest fan of his uh, of his prospect work, but Corey Pronman's 
under 23 top 100 ranking or like top 150 where you had like Keandre Miller and Niels like in the 140s last year or something like that. That list, that's spicy. I do want to talk about it. As soon as it's actually out, I will chat about it immediately. But that's like the only article I can, I can is there a hockey article you, you're like looking forward to? Because like as a teenager and even in, in my early 20s, there were plenty of articles each year I like, I'm thrilled to read. Like Keith Law's top 100 prospect up, update ranking every August. I'm like, I'm chomping at the bit. I want to read it. Uh, a lot of the, you know, the old Bill Simmons columns before his fingers broke, where it's like, uh, uh, you know, the fantasy, the, oh, the fantasy manifesto by Matthew Barry, all of these things. Outside of like 32 thoughts, a weekly column that I, I love, is there like a column you're looking forward to this year? No. And the thing that even frustrates me with 32 thoughts is like, again, I love Elliot, but he waits until news is official to tell us everything that happened about that news. Like, tell me as it's happening. That's, I wish hockey media understood how this is supposed to work. They just, they just don't. It's not there for them. And it frustrates. Do you just, think it's because the NBA like agrees, like, hey, it's, it's better for us if all this gets out immediately all the time? And but hockey it would be, Ryan, it would be, that? it would be one thing if it was just the NBA, but baseball works the same way. Football works the same way. Like, it's just hockey. Football's wild. It's just hockey. Shit, dude. Now that you're a big soccer guy, soccer works the same fucking way as every other sport. Oh, a player wants out. We know those five destinations the player wants to go to. And we know everything going on in the player's mind. You know everything going on in every other sport. Hockey's the only sport like this. And I don't know. It's I mean, it's 1,000% because of the culture of the game and because every eight, like, imagine if Scott Boris one day just decided he's going to have hockey clients. You think Scott Boris is going to follow the rules of hockey media or do you think Scott Boris is going to go out there and start calling owners cheap and start play, saying his players need to make money but every hockey agent is a former hockey player or someone so immersed in the hockey business that they are themselves a 200 hockey men so this is just how hockey operates but it's only like like if a hockey agent jumped into another sport he'd lose his client in six weeks because the client would be like what in god's fuck is the point of you what are you doing for me you're not doing anything there are no stories about me. You're trying to keep me under wraps when I'm playing a public game. Like, it doesn't make sense. And honestly... When are we going to start... Wait, legitimate question. Uh-huh. When are we going to start an agency? <laughs> I'm not like... I, I, I say this joking, but I also say this semi-serious. Uh, there's no... There, but again, we would be the guys... Could we where, sign a player? When, like, we could talk to Keith, right? And we can tell okay. Keith. Well, no, 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 no. Actually, let's, his agent. Let, let's let's <laughs> use let's use a real life example here. We talk to Keith behind the scenes about stuff uh -huh. he wants to do and stuff he's going through. And when he says something spicy, we honestly ask him like, "Why wouldn't you want this story out there?" And his answer is usually, "Well, that's just not the way it is." So, like, we say Keith was our client for reals, and we'd go out there being like, "These seven teams are interested." The way hockey works is those seven teams just wouldn't be interested anymore because you broke the code. And it's like, is it, it shouldn't be that way, but it is that way. And I don't know if like we should be the guys trying to break down that barrier. Don't necessarily think uh, it would be in some people's best interest to have you an idiot and me a stubborn fool telling people in hockey what to fucking do. I guess my, my real question is the question I've had all playoff is why not us? 
Why not us? It should, it should be us. <laughs> it should. I just again, um, like, but think about it. Like, from Nazim Kadri's agent's perspective, why in the world did he think it was a good idea to not have his client have a new article written about him every week? Why was it in his best interest, Nazim Kadri's best interest, to be left completely anonymous for two months? Why was that good for his brand? It, 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 you just it can't it, it be. wasn't it was I, I mean but again it uh, worked out ex- it did work out right like he got his deal but got his cash seven x seven is good for a 32 year old man that's good money this is just it's just silly and odd and ridiculous that this is the way the league operates it shouldn't be like this let's do two quick five-star questions and we will get to uh our dear friend ishan the from the Washington Post. Uh, first, is from Paneranoid Android. I know Greg and maybe Ryan to a lesser extent are Trubas probably not getting traded in 2024 or thereafter, guys, but couldn't you read him getting the captain title now as the Rangers are giving Truba a two-season shot to lift the cup as captain? And should they fall short, he'd be the fall guy to move on and free up some space for possible long-term deals for Miller, Lafreniere, Kako. They could easily hand the co- captain title over to Lafreniere, Fox, Miller, etc. You've been on this rant a million times. Well, so. here I, I do want to. I want to take a new angle with it. If the Rangers, oh, I like this. If the Rangers fall short in two years, one, are we sure Chris Drury is still here? And then two, if Chris Drury isn't here, wouldn't the Rangers just blow it all up and trade everybody? I think you know. I think you know this is my angle. <laughs> so, I uh, the one thing I've I don't want to say reported, but I've talked about in private and in the whispers of things is that I'm not sure Chris Drury's leash is as long as everyone thinks it is. I think he's trying to be as ingrained as possible, hiring his whole staff, trying to, but this is not a secret. You and I have talked about how the Rangers have a two to three year window here to win a title. And I don't think if that doesn't happen, Dolan might sell the team. The owner might come in. But I guess, I guess my point Ryan is if, if it doesn't work in these two to three years, why are we making arguments to keep 34-year-old Mika Zibanejad, 35-year-old Chris Kreider, uh, 33-year-old Jacob Truba? Like, shouldn't We're everybody not. be going? Like, everybody wants to say it'll just be Truba if the Rangers fail. But if the Rangers fail, it's everybody. Like, Panarin, Mika, Kreider, Truba. All of them. They'll only keep Keandre, Lafreniere, Igor. Those are the only threes that are guaranteed to stay. Fox. Right. Did I say Fox? Fox? Who did I say? You said Keandre Lafreniere, Igor, and oh, Fox. And Fox. Would be the four. Yes, those were the those are the four. Everyone's like, if it doesn't work, Truba's gone. Guys, if it doesn't work, everybody's gone. Every veteran will leave because there's no point. There's no if it doesn't work in two to three years. There's no point in trading Truba and thinking taking one veteran off and putting a different veteran in while Mika's three years older, Panarin's three years older, Kreider's three years older, Trocheck's three years older. Like they're gonna be gone too. It'll be everybody. And then who gives a shit if it's just one $8 million contract? It's, it's every fucking contract. Like, it, we need to stop thinking. If it doesn't work in three years, it's, it's the entire core. It's rotten to the core. So stop. This is most of the reason why I don't play the Truba game. That and they don't want to trade them. But it, if, you, if it gets to a point where, well, clearly Truba needs to go. It's not working. Well, then it's not working with everybody. And you need to get rid of everybody. Last question real quick. Uh, David, who has more dirt, the Braves front office on the young, young players or Lieber Hayek on Chris Drury? 
It's pretty close, but it's definitely the Braves. It's the Braves. It's I, don't, I, don't, the Braves. I don't know. How, what, like, when they sign these kids as amateurs, do they immediately take a family member and put a gun to their head? Because I don't understand I don't how these know. deals happen. <laughs> it's, they don't work with they don't work with Boris for a reason. Not to go full circle there, but they stay away from Scott Boris. But not a thing I just, they work I'm just with asking. What, the, the funny thing is, the one player that has said he wants to bet on himself is Dansby Swanson, and it's a guarantee that he's gone. It, it's it's just the stone cold lock that Dansby Swanson will not be re-signed by the Braves after this season. It's not going to sure. happen. So, but at the same time. Dansby Swanson is going to make a shitload of money because he bet on himself. He's going to get a $200 million contract. He was not, he was barely getting Mike. If he wanted to sign a Michael Harris deal four years ago, he could have. And the fact that he didn't, he doubled his money. So I just don't understand why not one player is looking at Dansby Swanson and going, oh, this could be me. All right, let's, uh, let's transition over and we'll say hello to our dear friend, Ishan, who we haven't spoken to in like a, a year plus. Transition. Hey, we're back with our recurring guest, Ishan Theroux. He's a he's from the Washington Post. He's a foreign affairs columnist. Ishan, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me back, guys. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing good. You know, dog days of summer, good days of the Premier League, which we will get to. Uh, interesting days of hockey, where Lou Lamorella wakes up for a day and then his <laughs> off season's over. Um, but how's how was we haven't spoken in such a long time? What was the Ranger playoff experience like for you? And uh, as you know, how it was for us. I mean, we were every other day recording. It was just nonstop. It was a roller coaster ride of emotions. I couldn't believe, couldn't believe they went that far, kept pushing, and then obviously the heartbreak and defeat. But what was it like for you after, um, obviously, all the years of Henrik Lundqvist and those runs to go on this this run with this new core? It was phenomenal this year. Um, well, my wife and I had a baby uh, in Congrats. November. And, uh, so, and I got, you know, I work at a very enlightened company that gives a really generous five months parental leave. And so I spent a chunk of my paternity leave just watching games. I never really had a chance to before. Um, and it was just so exciting to, to, to hop on. I mean, not, I mean, I'm, I'm a diehard fan throughout, but to be able to really kind of live in day and out the way you guys seem to, uh, on a regular basis to, to, to embrace this team. Uh, and so to watch the narrative evolve over the course of the season, this whole, you know, oh, initially it's, it's just, it's just Igor plus whoever. And then come sort of February, March, we started playing pretty well. And then the trade deadline hit. And then, you know, we had this recurring kind of conversation about whether we're good, whether we're good. And part of it was convincing ourselves. Part of it was feeling grumpy that nobody else was acknowledging how good we are. And then the, the playoffs happened and, and yeah, absolutely. It was I, my expectation was, yes, let's just win one round. We won that round in, in, in pretty hilarious fashion. And everything else, you guys said, Carolina, you know, it's gravy. But, man, I was so, so stressed about losing to Carolina because uh, they, they pissed me off more than most of the other teams, well, with the exception of the Devils and the Islanders. And, um, and yeah, you know, getting to getting, you know, within a couple of games of, of, the, conf- of, of the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, was was something at the start of the season I would not have imagined. But now I kind of, I would be disappointed next year if this team doesn't make another step. Uh, I, I'm that enthusiastic and optimistic about where we are and about the room to grow and, and, and clearly about, you know, this group of guys who have 
pretty fun chemistry with each other. And it's, it's really easy to, to love them and to root for them. And that's not always been true for some Rangers teams in the past. Ishan, the next, the next question say- has befuddled some of our guests that we've had on through the summer. But I think it's, it's an interesting one to ask because while the Rangers lost Cop, Vetrano, Mott, Strom, and tech really just added Trocheck. Do you think the New York Rangers are better on opening night than they were in game six against the lightning? A hundred percent. And yes, I'm a bit of an incorrigible optimist on this. I've seen how uh, a bunch of the national hockey media outlets kind of rate us as having slipped back a bit because we lost those, those guys to free agency and we're a bit younger and, we're counting on this X factor of our young kids to, to really take that next step. But I think, I think hopefully there are signs that they will. Hopefully we'll be in a scenario where they get the ice time we want them to get. Although I am terrified about, say, a Sammy Blay or Dryden Hunt being in the top six coming opening night. Um, and I think that that could happen to us. Uh, but no, I think we're going to be better, and I and 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 it's it's you know Keandre is going to get better one more year. We Braden Schneider is going to get better. Uh, this team is is evolving, and and they're growing together as well, and that's that's really exciting. And I think it's 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 part of an evolution that we can see that's that's been telegraphed for a number of years that accelerated a bit, and and you would expect that with someone supposedly as good as Gallant as a coach, that they'll get through the regular season pretty effectively and then have what it takes in the locker to, to build on last year's postseason run. I, I, I'm with you. They are a better team. I'm still not sold on Trocheck the way I want to be sold just yet. I know who he is as a player. I just don't have these expectations for him that I think some other fans do. And I, I think it might be because I'm a Ryan Strom homer. It might just yeah. be that, like that I, that I liked Ryan Strom a lot. And I think he provided, despite the comedy of missing open nets and the pain it provided me, I think the chemistry he provided in the locker room and obviously what happened with Panarin, I thought was pretty strong. And now obviously Trocek is wearing the number 16, so we're going to trick Panarin into passing to him instead, which is good. I know that was Trocek's number in Carolina, but I'm just not as high on him as I, as I, I want to be, and I'm sure I'll fall in love with him very quickly. But I do think the team, like you said, is way better. It's just... The next year, the next step, the next iteration of, of Lafreniere, the next step iteration of Capococco and Philip Hedl. And not only that, I do kind of expect Vitaly Kravtsov to hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. And if all these players can live up to their caliber, well, I just don't see how we're not better in general. Um, which, yeah. I guess, brings us to the captain of this team, uh, Jacob Truba. Uh, what are your thoughts on Truba being captain? I'm a Kreider truther, where I still believe it should be him. Uh, and I know that's a somewhat controversial opinion. But apparently he didn't want it. Hey, I don't want that badge. And uh, Truba will be now the captain. So where, where do you stand on that? Uh, you know, I, I'm with you on one. I wanted it to be Kreider for quite a few years now. He, you know, he's our, he's our first round draft pick. He is this international man of mystery that you guys big up every podcast for having all sorts of uh, hidden skills and talents. Uh He's somebody who speaks so well to the press in a way that I don't think Truba does. I mean, Truba's fine, but I think Kreider has a level of articulateness that I admire uh, from an athlete. And I think he'd be, he's really honest and very and, and pretty smart. And I th- he's the kind of guy who would be the captain of a New York City team. 
but if you know the reporting from all the beat writers suggests that it's not a big deal that Truba is the natural guy that the locker room is behind it and, that, and if that's the case and that's the case I'm not too bothered um, I, I do wonder you know you guys were saying earlier this season I mean this summer that uh, this probably means that we're always going to be that we're going to be stuck with Chuba for the duration of his contract. I would hope that you know he can go somewhere like Tampa, where other Rangers captains go at some point. <laughs> um, so we can be you know because in a few years' time, baby Truba is going to be Truba, and we won't need old Truba. You know, Shad Schneider's there. I hope we give Keandre a good contract by next season, or maybe give it to him sooner. Um, and that blue line is coming together. And Truba has been great. I think he should be the captain who does lift the Stanley Cup. But um, no, I, 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 I really do think that he's not somebody I imagine being kind of lifelong Ranger. Uh, Kreider is. And so that was disappointing. But again, it's not a big deal. To go back to your earlier thing about Trocek, I, I think he's going to be awesome. I mean, yes, he, he, had, he, he had some good line mates and florida but against us during the playoffs he was such a pest imagining him doing all this work with panarin he's a more talented version of strom uh and say you put someone like kako or kraftsoff next to them that's an incredibly exciting line and if if kraftsoff starts scoring you know anybody a warm body playing with trocek and panarin is going to have a good season and and i think i think he should be a reason for us to be encouraged because he's definitely a better player than strom and anyway so that, that's bit of a tangent but no stay on that for a minute because i think it's important i i also think fans think he's like this much bigger player because because of the hits and the physicality of his game but he's actually shorter than strom like i know they like weigh the same amount but strom's six one he's like five ten or five eleven whatever and it's just like i I know he's a totally different player than who strom is strom didn't get to those dirty areas i understand that i know he's a pest and he's got got that physicality to his game I'm yeah, just, I, I, I know. I just hope that that offense translates. Uh, Panarin makes everything happen, right? It doesn't actually matter. He'll get, he'll find you in the hard places. So you'll score or, or make the right pass from him. But I just haven't, haven't gotten there yet with Trocek. And it's going to take me like 10 or 10 minutes or 10 games, one or the other to really fall in love with them. Yeah. I just, well, we'll see. I, I, th- I think he, well, not, not to cut you off. I, I just think the biggest difference between the guy like Strom and a guy like Trocek is like, Strom is perfectly fine being the guy who you go on a long road trip with. He has a good music playlist and he's really just there to be along for the ride. Now he, what he does on that road trip is really important, but he's kind of happy go lucky and, and good. Trocek's the guy where like, if you get a flat tire, not only is it going to fix your tire, but he'll just like steal another car. So you don't even have to worry about changing the tire. And I, I it's just a different mentality that I think this team clearly lacked. Mm-hmm. No, totally. And I think, you know, he's he, he's a pest. He's going to uh, have a few of those yes for fast qualities that, that we missed when Faust was playing with Panarin. He's very fast, incredibly skilled on the puck. Uh, I, I think I think he's going to give us something we haven't seen before. Strom, uh, I was never I never was pretty particularly high on him. Um, he is he was a limited player in many ways, and. And I think we could have always done better. I would have much, I would have really preferred to see Hedl in that spot for a longer spell, but we never did. So as it is, you know, I mean, I'm also kind of excited about um, the guys who may not start the season but may show up in the lineup. I'm excited about the Will Coolies. 
uh, the Bobby Trevignos, um, you know, even Gustav Radal. There, there are some X factors that we have in, you know, in depth that I don't think we had before. And it's a lot of fun, kind of shit-stirring, fast, uh, fast-playing, aggressive hockey players. And so I think it's going to be a pretty fun team, uh, even when, say, we have a spell of injuries. Um, and, and frankly, I don't know if you guys watched the World Juniors or any of them, but I watched a couple of the games with Canada since there were three Rangers on them. And Brennan Offman, man, I think there's a pretty – I mean, I, I think you tweeted this, Ryan. I think I wouldn't mind the Rangers figuring out some kind of way to keep him on the team this year. I think he'll get nine games, man, and I don't think it goes further than that. I think that's as far as it goes. I mean, you, you see him play, and it's 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 astonishing. He he is such a shitster, and he's a piece so- of shit. He really is, he, Sean. <laughs> he like the hits he lays. How like it's he? I know he gets some nasty penalties or whatever like that, but he lays people out big time. And you're yeah, like, and whoa! It, and he's got the he's got the scoring touch too. He's got it all. He's an incredible shot, and, and he's a smart player. And uh, he was just destroying these like that there's that shift where he laid out two check players in one shift and it was it was kind of comedy um and yeah no, i i would be really curious to see how he how he does and you know they're saying that it'd be a waste to keep him on the fourth line i don't know i mean i think he'd be a pretty fun fourth liner to have for a season i mean uh, it, it just would be sh- it just goes back to the point we were talking about where like in theory him getting nine ten minutes a night in the nhl is probably better for his long-term development than going back to the WHL where he's just going to dominate again. Like it, yeah, it just, it, it once again is just third straight podcast where we're going to say it's absolutely silly that he can't go to Hartford. It is the dumbest mm-hmm. rule that's ever mm-hmm. existed. Yeah. Well, well, at least we'll definitely still see uh, Will Cooley who looked pretty good in, uh, for a couple of games and he was playing with uh, McTavish and Bedard. Um, and you know, I think he could be a perfectly competent fourth liner for us next season. Uh, so we'll see where he fits in in the whole backlog of players. Ishan, uh, you, Ishan, like, oh, oh sorry, oh, go oh, no, go for it, Ryan. Like, like you said, there was like so many fun options, though. It's yeah. like you know, even like Ryan, a guy like Ryan Carpenter, like that's exciting. Like I don't know why it is, but like the you can make that bottom six. I think you can make. How many guys can be in the bottom six? I obviously only six, but what do we have? Like ten guys that can actually play in there? Like that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Where where it's the the top six is set in stone for the most part. I do think Capocacco and Lafreniere and Hedel can start in the third line if they really need to kid line it up again. Like you said, Sammy Blay will start in the top six. But Blake can play in the bottom six, no problem. Goudreau can go up and down. There's so much flexibility among the forwards this year that it makes for like a really exciting. And like they have the depth to withstand any injuries there. Now on the defense, that does not happen. They don't have that depth. Mm-hmm. It's just like, mm-hmm. hey, Niels Lundqvist is here now. If someone's hurt, and after that, like enjoy Tenorti or Hayek. Like that's it. Like nothing else is going on. Um, so it will be fun to, to see what happens with the depths in the forward this year. There's so many, so many options for Gallant to play with if he really wants to. Yeah, I cannot believe that Tenorti contract. I, I I forgot that we gave him a multi year multi year deal, and it's unbelievable. Yeah. Man, hey, I, sorry, I was I was, at the, I was at the Capitals home opener when we played them the first game of the season, and Tenorti was you know in that number five Girardi jersey, and it was just terrifying to watch. I mean, it's actually kind of amazing to think about that game. Georgiev was was the goalie, and he looked he had you could see visibly watching him uh, that he had had all sorts of mental 
struggles during that game. He was lacking confidence. He was kind of berating himself constantly. Uh, the whole team looked so fragile. And and to see that team evolve over the season, and, and we now we know what it is and what it can be. It's 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 been it's been awesome. Well, Ishan, uh, the last time we had you on, there was I mean, first of all, you, you're not just a foreign correspondent, foreign affairs reporter for the Washington Post. You're also that for Blucher's Breakaway. Last time we had you on, <laughs> Artemi Panarin uh, was facing some difficulties in Russia. Now we're having you on, and there's a war, uh, which. <laughs> begs the question how much of this conflict between russia and ukraine straight straight out war uh terrible awful all that stuff but how much of it should your average hockey fan be focused on in terms of what 15 percent of the nhl is made up of russians probably yeah it's like it's close to 60 players so i don't know what that is for the overall you guys do the math um no it, it Frankly, yes, I think the average hockey fan, the average human should should pay attention as much as they can or want to to what's happening. Uh, in a couple of days, we're going to mark the six-month anniversary of the initial invasion. Uh, it's, it's a pretty grim situation on the ground you know, every day in Ukrainian cities. Um, apartment buildings, civilian areas are getting hit by constant fighting on the ground in various places in the country. Uh, we're seeing a kind of widening arc of attacks from different places. The, uh, the Ukrainians are hitting Crimea, which was the Russians say is a red line. You're seeing this uh, very mysterious assassination of a prominent Russian figure over the weekend. So we don't know where things are going to be six months from now. It's been a terrible six months so far. Tens of thousands of people have died or been severely injured. Um, there are atrocities happening. So, in the shadow of all this, sports you know should take a, a you know a pretty small seat. But hockey, in particular, especially in North America, is vulnerable to this because you know you look at any of the other sporting leagues uh, in the U.S. There, I don't think there's a single Russian player in the NBA right now. Um, it's only hockey where there is a huge Russian footprint. And, um, you know, we have you, you, you people like Dominic Hasek sitting in the Czech Republic saying uh, the NHL should throw out all his Russian players as a political statement. You, you have um, the national team delegations in places like Sweden and Finland, and I think the Czechs as well, and maybe the, the other countries in this list who have said, you know, if you are a player from our country and you are playing in the KHL, you will never play for our country. Um, so so there is a, a serious kind of sporting decoupling happening. The Russians have been banned from IIHF stuff. They've been banned from FIFA stuff. But Russian players um, are still coming and playing in the NHL. And I think all of us would, would agree that that's kind of fair. It's not their fault that this war is happening. Um, I would say with one major caveat that Alex Ovechkin doesn't get enough shit for his positions on this. But um, Larry you know, Brooks gives him a lot of shit. I'll tell you that he's like the one of the only people that does that. You know, when the when the war happened, Ovechkin came out and said this kind of very mealy mouthed, uh, "I don't want any war. No war. War is bad." Kind of thing, without condemning the government that triggered this in an unprovoked fashion. Uh, 
of course. You know, in 2014, it's, it's important to remember that this conflict is not brand new. It's been going on. There has been a low-level war since 2014. And in 2014, Putin, not Putin, forgive me, Ovechkin, uh, was putting stuff on social media, basically calling Ukrainians Nazis. So, so you know, he hasn't really been, been pilloried enough for his position on this stuff. He is, you know, it's one thing to not want to speak out because you're afraid for your family. You're not a political person. You're just a hockey player. And I think that's the position by and large of most hockey players. You're, um, that's describing Igor and Buchnevich. Like, I don't think those guys think yeah. about that shit. I'm sure yeah, they do. Well, like, I'm sure it affects them in some ways, but that's, I, I would say that's their position where Panarin's another situation. Yeah, we'll get to Panarin. But uh, Putin went out of his way went out of his way to be explicitly political, to to create this team Putin that champions the Russian president, to to support everything that Putin does. Um, and he, you know, he's a much more kind of politically connected figure in Russia. He's very integral to um, Dynamo Club in Moscow. And people suggest that when he retires, he'll go off and become president of Dynamo. Uh, he posted, there was a po- picture of him that the KHL posted not long ago wearing a Dinamo jersey and some preseason kind of warm-up. So he's still very much, you know, part of the landscape in Russia in a way that most other NHL Russian players are not. I mean, most NHL Russian players are keeping their head down. I, I don't know if you heard on Vince's podcast, he talked about how basically the beat reporters were told not to bother the players with questions about the Ukraine war, which is, you know, to me a kind of interesting thing, I think probably should ask them something, but I guess, you know, it's understandable that they don't want to talk about it. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think we do have to worry about, there's a lot of uncertainty about uh, what will happen if things spiral further in certain ways. What are the kind of levers that foreign governments, uh, the leagues themselves want to use to express outrage over what's happening in the war? Uh, that could mean, you know, a growing chorus of people saying Russian players should not play in the NHL, which would be, you know, terrible for, as a Rangers fan. But who knows what the the moral stakes may feel like at that point? And then there's the other thing, which we saw kind of vague evidence of this summer, that you know Russia is one of these countries that can block you as a citizen from leaving the country, and um, we may see maybe, you know, in months to come. Uh, Scenarios where more players, Russian players who do, who, who do go back home, don't get allowed to leave again as part of you know Russia protecting its prime assets or insisting that they play in the KHL instead or, or something like that. Um, I, I don't know whether that's going to happen in the coming months. There's, I think there's been a lot of reporting about how the NHL teams have told their Russian players, don't go home. We don't know what's going to happen. And, if you're, and you'll be liable if you can't come back well, for your contracts. Ishan, um, something, something that is always curious to me. Now, sports washing is something that's happened since the invention of sport, right? Like you can go back to the 36 Olympics in Berlin and everything Hitler himself was trying to do. Uh, shit, you can go back to the United States in the 1960s, not allowing Olympic athletes to have civil rights protests in the middle of medal ceremonies. Mm-hmm. You, you can literally, every mm-hmm. country in some way, shape, or form has participated in sports washing. But I, w- what's most interesting is I feel like we are now in a time where we have been more aware of sports washing than ever before. 
either through, you know, the Live Golf Tour, um, oil money in soccer, shit. Mm -hmm. We all know where the World Cup's happening in November Mm -hmm. and the reason why it's happening Mm -hmm. in November. But, like, how (laughs) how aware – like, we don't really talk about it on a hockey landscape, but should we? Because in a way – Yes, I don't think we can blame or hold responsible guys like Igor Shosturkin, Vitaly Kravtsov, uh, just to name a couple Rangers that happen to be Russian. I don't expect those guys to be out def- like calling Putin a piece of shit every day. I don't need it to. It's not going to do anything. At the same time, are we responsible if we're just talking about them as like normal hockey players? Are, like, are we ourselves sports washing? I think it's a really, it's a really great question. My instinct would be to say, no, they're human beings who play hockey and play for the New York Rangers. And it's fair for us to see it that way. They aren't, they weren't sort of hothoused engineered by the Russian state to play for near the New York Rangers. They had their own histories. They have their own careers, their own struggles, their own life stories. I mean, Panarin case in point, um, as somebody who did speak out, the guy he spoke out in behalf is now in prison. Uh, and he himself went through a pretty confusing and slightly murky experience where that has led to him kind of erasing a lot of his social media. Um, hey, Sean, there's a reason he has a Nokia phone, my dude. There's a reason. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's one thing if the sovereign wealth fund of uh, Arab monarchy buys a whole team as part of its kind of soft power largesse. It's another thing to to penalize somebody purely on the basis of their nationality for playing a sport. And, you know, I think, I think there are, it is complicated in terms of, you know, where do you draw the line in terms of FIFA can ban Russia from participating, but we allow individual Russians to play. But I do think that, that, that makes sense. And, and, and for that reason, Wimbledon blocking Russian tennis players to me seemed quite, quite a grotesque thing to do because we can't really control our nationality. You can't control where you're born. And we disqualify you for something doesn't seem right to me. At the same time, you know, there is going to be pressure, uh, especially if this conflict gets worse. Uh, and there probably is going to be pressure on foreigners playing in Russia uh, from various camps, you know. Uh, and so... Yes, I think people like Igor Shosturkin, they have gone under the radar. I think quite deliberately the NHL and the teams are are trying to keep this pretty much under wraps and not put bring too much attention to it. But as this war drags on, as things if things spiral and get worse, which they very very well could, um, their kind of continued presence, you know, in our lineups uh, is going to look more people are going to pay attention to it. And that may lead to more uncomfortable conversations. I think this is the perfect transition because we're talking about sports washing to talk about the Premier League. <laughs> because, um, Greg, unless there's other things you wanted to dive in with the Panarin or any of the other players. Oh, no, 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 no. I am all for talking about how terrible Liverpool is right now. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> two points, baby, two points. Uh, Ishan, you are notoriously an Arsenal fan. Um mm-hmm. You have had a great transfer window. Jesus comes over from Man City. Is the striker you needed as an Arsenal fan? Maybe he's just like immediately a fan favorite because he's just creating offense in ways that I is unbelievable. Last year, Arsenal had this start from hell, uh, similar to what Liverpool is going through now. 
And now you are, as the fans say, top of the table uh, with Man City drawing Newcastle this weekend. Where is your head at Arsenal-wise? Have you watched All for Nothing on Amazon yet? What's going on? Well, three games down, 35 to go. Um, no, I mean, I think, like, when the schedule came out, it looked it looked like we would have a good start to the season. I think if you look at their next five games, given the way they're playing, uh, there's, a, there's a chance that they're going to be, you know, have a pretty impressive record come come the start of October, but absolutely, you know, I I've, I'm a third generation Arsenal fan. I've supported this team for decades at this point, and um, I have not felt this both excited and just kind of comfortable um, about them in I would say at least a decade, maybe 12, 13 years. Um, and so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how many of your listeners want me to go off about them. But yeah, Jesus is great. We might have had a striker. We're at the end of the yeah. show. Go for it. Fuck it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I also, we might have had a striker. I, I do think surprisingly, if I had to say Liverpool is the number one, but I think Arsenal is quietly the second most popular team among Ranger fans. Wow. I mean, there was this uh, uh, great sports bar on 14th Street called The Blind Pig, which used to be, uh, I don't know if it's still still there i someone someone tell me after you hear this but it had a giant arsenal flag outside it was on 14 between like third and second and a giant rangers flag outside and so to me it was like this it was exactly uh it was my little little sporting mecca because there's a rangers bar and arsenal bar uh i would i mean i think arsenal has a disproportionately large fan base in the u.s because around the time that the premier league uh became available on television here they were incredibly good and um they also kind of are this slightly hipster uh well not tottenham kind of takes that role now but 10 15 years ago they were the more hipster choice of team to support and american soccer fans often make that choice but uh yeah right now they're pretty good they're the youngest there's there's a kind of rangers arsenal analogy in the sense that i'm trusting the process on both on, in both in, for both teams uh the Rangers are pretty young. Arsenal's the youngest team in the league. Uh, and you can see where they're going. You can see what they're trying to do. And and that to me is quite exciting. I, I have no real faith that, you know, they're going to be, I'm sure it's going to go terrible in some stage. It always does. But um, it's a pretty exciting start to the season. Yeah, does that does Arsenal have any player as electrifying as Daniel Vogelback as he just hits a two-run homer against the New York Yankees and gets the Mets right back in this ballgame? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, but yes, no, answer the question. Who is the Daniel Vogelback of Arsenal and why is it Gabriel Jesus? Because they, those are just the two most talented people in the world right now. I mean, do, uh, Gabriel Martinelli, the other Gabriel, is, is he is amazing alongside Gabriel Jesus. So, I'm just, I'm just uh, talking about every single time. Mean, the, the, the guy who's is, is is William Saliba. Oh I mean, my God, the the, that uh, that uh, cheer this weekend to Takia for Saliba yeah. is just Saliba. Saliba is everything I've ever needed in my life. I, and I just didn't even know. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. I needed it, and then it happened. And I I don't remember what life was like before it. And, and it, every team is going to do this now. Every fan base in the Premier League is going to be doing this for their one player on their team. And it's going to get very annoying very fast, I think, because you're going to hear it on your TV uh, in <laughs> every game now. Um, but no, he, he's great. He's a unit. He's fast. So I'm assuming that's why he's like Vogelback, right? He's going to be well, you, you said he's a along. unit and he's fast, and I thought you went back to yeah. talking about Vogelback, and I got a little confused there for a second. 
Isha, <laughs> <laughs> um, you and I were talking before the show about how the Premier League this year has just been electric. And if you're not, if you're out there and you haven't, while you're just listening to this for no fucking reason, and you haven't watched the Premier League, now's a good time to get in because every single game, despite my team in Liverpool absolutely shiting the bed in the big ways we'll get into. Uh, every other team is also shiting the bed in big ways, with the exception of Arsenal. And it's been upset after upset. Every game is a banger. Like, I mm-hmm. I can't... Every schedule, like, every time slot has a game where you're like, all right, is this game going to be good? And it's, like, what, a 9 out of 10 every single time? And you're like, I can't believe I'm watching, like, all this great soccer. Uh, this first three weeks have just been undefeated, with the exception of uh, of me rooting for that team. That just stinks right now. Well, not... But, Ryan, not just that. It's, like, from an American perspective... There's never been a better time to watch the Premier League if your interest is just in how America is doing in the Premier League, which makes the whole Christian Pulisic thing even more impressive. But, like, Mm -hmm. Fulham has Anthony Robinson and Tim Ream, and Robinson specifically is a highly interesting player that we're going to have to pay attention to leading into the World Cup. But, yeah, like, Leeds United States of America exists, and just Brendan Aronson doing everything you would ever want an American to do at any time. But it's just like, not only are the storylines there from a neutral perspective in terms of you get batshit crazy games like Newcastle and Man City drawing at three, or uh, Fulham beating Brentford 3-2 late, or shit, Southampton has two second-half comebacks already under their belt that just didn't happen last year. Like, the neutral is being entertained, but now more than ever, Americans have a reason to pay attention to how Americans are playing in England. And you'll be doing it ahead of a World Cup that's in the middle of the season, which is also something we've never seen before. It's going to be a really weird variable for the whole thing. Um, But I think it's going to be great. I I mean, let's put put to aside the weirdness of it being in in Qatar and and all the politics around that. Um, I'm probably actually going to go for the Washington Post to, to the World Cup, which would be pretty fun. Um, wow. All things considered, but yeah, I think you know if if you are just getting to it now, what a what better way ahead of the World Cup to get acquaint yourselves with most a lot of the world's best players, definitely the world's best league, um, get in and support Arsenal. I told I told you to Ryan, but you chose not to. I did, um, I did. My wife fell in love with Klopp. I fell in love with Klopp. We tried to invite him into our marriage. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work out. I mean, you, you did make the the healthier choice, but uh, we'll see. I, mean, I don't know, man. I watched my team lose in the cup final and then lose on the last day when I was with like a hundred people. It was fucking miserable. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I will. I will. We, we, right, take, I will say the yeah, one. The one. The one Premier League. What I've, what I've experienced. Then we'll talk. I, I'm just yeah. saying the one Premier League game Ryan has physically seen in person was another amazing Arsenal collapse. It was wonderful. It's hard to be oh, a fan of yeah. Arsenal if you're going to be there and watch that game. I did. I did watch it. Um, oh. It was wonderful. But yeah, Liverpool fucking stinks right now. Oh my goodness! You, you, like you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Oh yeah, I know. It's alright. You'll, you'll finish but, top two as usual. Maybe. Oh, top I don't two, think. Maybe. I actually don't think we're gonna finish top two. I know I'm kind of being pessimistic right now, but the midfield is so ravaged, and the injuries on the team is just. I don't think they're gonna buy anybody. Like that's just it's just not gonna happen. And they're just still playing James Milner, who's 37 years old. It's like kind of like um what. What's going on here? So the thing about the Premier League and about football in general, in terms of the way it works, is that the power of narrative is so strong. Like, I mean, just just like what happened to Man United today, right? Before they defeated Liverpool, 
I mean, the, it was the crisis club of the century. And now the, the whole narrative has changed in a second. And that will happen pretty fast for Liverpool to a couple of good results. Uh, and, 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 you know, you'll be fine. I think the quality of the Liverpool squad is, is still pretty excellent. You'll get Darwin Nunes back. You'll get, um, you get Thiago back at some point, right? And, yeah, uh, but he's prone. He's a little injury prone. Matip's out for a couple weeks now. Jota's still out. You know, a couple strikers gone. Well, to transferred bring, out. To bring it to bring this full circle, I think the beauty. First of all, I still think Man United is in crisis, and just because they got three points today, that doesn't mean anything to me. But this is the beauty of the three point system. The three one zero system. If you want to do any league based on points, is perfect because of exactly these reasons. The good teams are going to rise to the top and the bad teams are going to sink to the bottom. There, there, there are no accidents that happen in a three-point system. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's also bring in promotion relegation too. I mean, I, I would, fine, not in the NHL, but I mean, there's no reason why the MLS, I mean, there, there are plenty of reasons, but it would, the MLS has, is just way too big. Um, Sorry, Greg, I, I use this as a launch pad to something else on my mind. But um, I agree with you. Three points in, in the NHL would make so much sense. Well, no, no. But, I, I, uh, it's, no still, I, it's still incredible. I mean, the, the MLS, soccer is bigger than it's ever been and probably ever will be in the United States. And interest in MLS yeah. is still at its infancy stage. I, I, like, the MLS not being able at any time to capitalize on this thirst for soccer is incredible. Now, I do think part of the reason is, again... Ryan and I have talked about this. Like the Premier League is just perfectly positioned where, oh, you don't, you're not going to compete with football. You're just going to give people something to do for exactly two hours before games kick off at noon on Saturday and one on Sunday. Like you, you just, that's natural positioning where you're not asking people to choose. You're asking people to do both. Whereas MLS, there's no consistent scheduling. We don't know when games happen. There's no, like, like you said, per, promotion relegation so there's nothing really on the line in terms of what's on the line in these other leagues the the mls is it the ability for them to continue to fumble united states interest in a sport it honestly is kind of fascinating i mean the thing is that they are still a financial success story i think the quality of the game is getting better every year but as 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 a as a very very obsessed soccer fan i never think about the mls and, and and that shouldn't be the case because there is enough talent in this country there are enough pretty interesting teams that we should care it's just marketed poorly there's nothing you don't really feel there's anything at stake in the average mls game because of the playoff system um and there's way too many teams in the mls 30 teams in a soccer league doesn't make any sense to me you should you, you make it 15 and 15 figure out something with the tv deal relegate people and it would be much more interesting. Uh, and I think people, Americans would be kind of curious about it as well. I mean, an American sports fan thinking about their team getting relegated would be an interesting experience. Would never happen in any other sport. That's for sure. The money's too much. No, no um, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen in the MLS either because it's a franchise model as well. And people buy into it and no owner is going to accept being relegated. But there was a window where they could make it happen. And I think there's still some suggestion with the next TV deal that it could be re-engineered, but uh, yeah, I, I don't see it. Greg, any final questions for our dear guest before we head out of here for the night? Oh boy. Way to put me on the spot off the top of my head. I'm going to say no. Sounds good. Ishan, 
I can't thank you enough for joining us on August 22nd to talk about the Rangers in the Premier League. But it's always a pleasure speaking to you, my friend. My pleasure. I hope if you guys have me back next time that we aren't going to be in some kind of uh, nuclear war or something. <laughs> yeah. Given, given yeah. The... yeah, we're 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 finding a way to one up it every time you come back. So if the first time was one player fighting a dictator and the second time is all out war, like what above all out war is there? Like is is it like France? Well, now that we know you're going to the World Cup, like you're the <laughs> official Blue Shirts Breakaway correspondent. Like this is great. Like you'll be back soon. Don't worry about it. <laughs> sure, hit, hit me up when I'm there. Yeah, for sure. Ishan, thank you so much. Anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Oh, nothing much. You can find me on Twitter at Ishan Tharoor. Um, and I do a daily column and newsletter called Today's Worldview. If you're interested in my take on international politics, you can sign up for that. And that's uh, that's free as well. So, yep, that's it. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's always a real pleasure to be on with you. Thank you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Okay, it's the end of the show where I thank NHL Insiders every single week where we talk about the Offer Sheet Club, where we have exclusive chat, talk to all the people, thank our top investors. I do want to do some fun stuff in the next couple weeks, but my, my life has gotten fucking crazy recently due to my uh, my daytime job and also my personal life. My mom um, hurt herself over the past week, uh, broke her ankle into with 6,000 pieces, so we've been uh, taking care of that situation. Don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Full recovery, all that shit, um, but just been a lot going on. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to read 72 names. But one thing I want to do with this group sometime soon, and you guys can talk to me about this later, is I want to do an investors meeting. Just get everybody's opinion. Like, get, have a board meeting. Like, you guys are the stockholders. Just been seeing a lot of Bed Bath & Beyond stuff on the internet, kind of laughing about it. And I was thinking, hmm, who are my stockholders? And uh, I think it'd be cool to do something like that. So without further ado, that's another dumb idea I've had, right? I have too many dumb ideas. Let me start naming people in a row. Who names I will mess up on my tiny laptop that I cannot record on. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Cartula, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Gardner, Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Rattel, Brendan Lacos, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mellon, Chris Finelli, Chris Haru, CJ Stellwagen, Conrad P. Damage, Daniel Dazen, David Narodin, David Siegel, Dennis Dice, Darian, Eric Stagg, Gary Rannis, Gib Gardner, a cup, Gretzky, Gareth McFly, Woo, Harris Hasco, Hippie 89, Hollis Sauce, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jake Bead, James Masker, Jamie Filippone, Jerry and Marquez, JD, Jimmy Mack, JJ, Frankie, JJ, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, uh, Justin Friedman, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, oh, rewind, Chris from Florida, I, I think your shirt shipped, I think it's shipped, message me, I'm pretty sure it's shipped, Le- uh, Le- Le- oh my god, Leshek Gronowski, Oh, no. Lou Giordano, Matthew Kahn, Me Paul the Cat, Neil Grover, Nicholas Nicola, Pascal Perrier, Pavel Kodrev, Pro World of Tech Gamer, Randy Tesser, Sean Taggart. Sean's been around a long time. Just came back as well. He's one of our top supporters now. Thank you so much, Sean. Really appreciate it. Stig Bullbox, Weingart, Tom Welsh, all the Toms now. Tom Welsh, Tom Sclary, Urch Jr., Tommy O'Neill, Tori from Manhattan Upstate, Vin, Vinnie Bracco, Vinnie Hay, Will Spector, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Always the fun one to end on. That's for sure. Thanks, everyone, for listening this week. Got to be honest, it's been a hell of a time for Rye Guy. Just a lot going on, uh, trying to get through. Hockey cannot come soon enough. The Capo Caco Slapshot, I probably could talk about it for another 20 minutes. I have to be honest with you. Look at me being so honest. Thank you, Ryan. Really appreciate it. We'll be back later this week with a BSBOT. Do I know what it's going to be about? No, I have no idea. Maybe it'll be a fun episode. Maybe it'll suck. But if you want to hear it, it's on Patreon.com. <laughs> I'm tired. Thank you so much for supporting. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.